Do you want to learn about multifamily investing, but you just don't know where to start? You think you're too new. You think it's too overwhelming. Well, I have the event for you. It's called Multifamily Live, and it's happening this June 10th, 11th, and 12th, a three-day event. And best of all, guys, it's virtual. You don't have to worry about, can I shake hands? Do I have to get on a plane? What's it mean? Am I afraid of COVID? None of that stuff. It's virtual. You can do it from your home. It's a three-day event, and this event is really about teaching you how to invest in multifamily real estate. They want you to know how to achieve the, quote, quit your job passive income, right? By investing in large multifamily properties. Even if you're a new investor or if you're an experienced investor and you want to get into multifamily, this is the event you cannot miss. Guys, go and get your tickets now before they're gone. It's June 11th, I'm sorry, June 10th, 11th, and 12th this coming June. It's going to be amazing. I know the folks putting this on. I have talked to all of them. I know about their businesses. These are the smartest multifamily people in the nation. You must go get your tickets if you're interested in multifamily live before the ticket prices go up. As it gets closer to the event, it's going to go up. Here's how you get them. Go to bestrealestateevent.com. That's bestrealestateevent.com. Go check it out. Even if you're not sure, just go to the site. Check it out. See if it looks like it's for you and grab your tickets now. All right, guys, let's get on to it. I quickly learned what it's like to be in a rental car going from you know one project, trying to quickly catch a red eye to get to another project that we had, trying to figure out how I'm going to come up with $60,000 and make payroll. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me today on Just Our Real Estate. I'm excited to have you here. Guys, if it's your first time here, welcome. If it's not your first time here, welcome to you too. I appreciate you being here, whether you're new or not. I just love having you here and uh, you've tuned in for a great one. I've got somebody on the show today whose podcast I have been on. And uh, I liked him so much that I was excited to have him on this show for you. He's not a real estate guy, so to speak, uh, but he's an entrepreneur who's had incredible success. He's lost everything. His health was in extreme jeopardy. And he has a great story about pushing too hard and what that can mean and how to avoid that. So he's an absolutely uh, amazing person who has a phenomenal story. Like, get ready, because this story is emotionally charged and uh, it, it it really it stressed me out frankly listening to it it was it's an incredible story and I think it it's something that we all should be conscious of as we build our business so I don't want to make you wait too long he, uh, Chris Michael Harris is a serial, a serial entrepreneur business performance coach keynote speaker online expert he's the founder and CEO of startup you and he hosts the popular podcast of the same name, Startup You. Like I said, I was on that recently. Go check that out. It's a great podcast, and this is a phenomenal, phenomenal entrepreneur, and there's so much I could say about this guy. I just really like him, if you can't tell from how I'm talking about him now. I really, really, really like him. I think he's a smart guy with a great message, and I think his heart is exactly in the right place, and he wants to help people, and he does. So uh, without any further ado, guys, I give you Chris Michael Harris. All right, Chris, thank you for doing this, man, and welcome to Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being on. 
Hey, man, I, we, I feel like we just talked yesterday. Was it was <laughs> like know. a week or so ago. You're on my show. so I know. I know. I, I don't know happy. how these will stagger in terms of when they go out. But uh, yeah, we. I was just on your show recently. We were talking yeah. about that before we hopped on here live. Had a blast. Totally connect with you. I think what we like you, you mentioned it. We're cut from the same entrepreneurial cloth. We yeah. see things the same in a lot of ways. So I uh, really enjoyed it. And I've been looking forward to having you on my show ever since. So thanks again. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, I, this is going to be good. Now, full disclosure, you're not a real estate guy. It's not your I'm thing, not. and that's cool because uh, as we as we kind of touched on uh, when we were talking before we jumped on here, real real estate knowledge, nuts and bolts. How do I buy a house? How do I finance it? Like, where do I find deals? Like all of that stuff, I've talked about a million times. It's out there. You can find it in a million different locations. But what is sometimes under served is the, the the community and the and the issues that people have that's that is surrounding their inability to go out there and actually do something about their dreams to take action on it what holds them back what's happening in their life what has happened in their life that they're using as as maybe outward excuses or even subconsciously using as excuses and I think that's the powerful conversation that isn't talked about enough and it's not taken seriously enough because you know, I've said this a million times on my podcast. I can give people the metaphorical tools to build a house, and and I can two different people. And one person will build a house, and the other person will blame the tools. They'll blame their health. They'll blame their gender. They'll blame their age. They'll blame their weight, their height, all this stuff, right? But it's the same tool. So why do some people succeed and others don't? Why do some people take action? Why do some people feel held back and others don't? That's really what I want to dive into. And uh, I think you're the perfect guy to do that because you talk about it a lot. You have a very interesting journey that we're going to get into deeply of what exactly you've dealt with and how you've overcome that. And it's very universal, which is the beautiful part about it. It doesn't matter what how you literally make your money. It's the, the universal message that you have is, is so powerful. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I am too. And, and to further that point, you just mentioned, I want to clarify something or, or rather to accentuate and highlight something you said the, the nuts and bolts, and I'd have to go back and look and see exactly what study I read this from, but, but effectively what they found was that 80% of business, it's fundamentally the same. It's the, the 20% is the nuance. It's the trade specific stuff. So the yeah. bottom line is the foundation of any business, regardless if it's real estate or if it's selling online products or building a tech enabled venture, whatever, the foundations are still there. The principles are still there. So I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I love it, man. So let's let's get into your story a little bit. Let's, let's tell people who aren't familiar with you, where'd you come from and some of the things you've gone through to get to where you are and how did you do that? How did you take yourself out of some of the things that happened? So let's just, just dial back, you know, maybe before anything really exciting happened to you and let's move forward through that journey. Yeah. So we can go way, way back. Uh, basically, uh, grew up kind of always seeing outside the nine to five and a lot of people that are probably in real estate, they they probably, that's one of the reasons why they're excited about real estate is, wow, I make one deal and I make more than what I would have made an entire annual salary. And that's really, really exciting. So I always kind of saw that uh, opportunity, albeit, and maybe some people resonate with this. Um, it, at that point in time, it wasn't entrepreneurship wasn't as mainstream as it is now. I think the internet in a lot of ways made it so much more accessible for everybody to, yeah. to participate in this exciting thing of being self-employed. Yeah, there was a time uh, when entrepreneurship meant unemployed. You know what I mean? Right, I've been right. Or like, people were like, you're crazy. Like, yeah. what are you thinking? That's so risky, right? And, yeah. and in large degree, it still is, but it mitigated substantially. So yep. uh, so anyway, so I'm, you know, fifth grade and, and you know, all my, my friends are going to the pool and doing all the things that you do during the summer, right? Just hanging out, having fun. 
Meanwhile, I'm going up and down my cul-de-sac, just mowing everybody's lawns. And I made like two or $3,000, got my first credit card. My dad, it was a cosign. He, uh, he coasted, he, it was his card, you know, my name was on it, what have you. And, you know, putting my gas on it, just learning all the essentials and made two or $3,000. And lo and behold, I was able to buy all of, I think at that time it was Nintendo 64 or whatever it was, or Xbox, whatever. Yeah. And, and I, I was able to just get whatever I wanted because you know, I just cashed in. And so that, that was kind of a, a pervasive theme throughout my life. Uh, going into high school, kind of continuing along that path was going around. And actually, I grew up in a town called Peachtree City in Georgia, where it's a planned community and there's golf cart paths that interweave throughout the community. 90 or it's like 110. I think it was 90, 110 miles of golf cart paths wow. throughout the community. You can go to the grocery store and go to school. You can, I mean, you can go anywhere you want in your golf cart. No kidding. So a buddy of mine and I driving around putting putting, uh, you know, flyers and stuff in people's mailboxes, you know, because that's how you marketed yourself back then. There was yeah. no Facebook ads or anything yeah. like that. Or you put your stuff, you put your stuff on the, you know, the Kroger bulletin board, maybe was your best bet to get in front of people. Yeah. So anyways, we hustled, you know, thousands and thousands of them. And we got to the point where we're getting so much, this was like pressure washing driveways, detailing cars, you know, trimming hedges, cleaning gutters, you know, just your DIY stuff. Yeah. And we found out throughout that process that one of the big requests, I think we made like $16,000. It was like my junior year going into my senior year of high school. We made like $16,000 over a summer. The biggest uh, area of revenue that we were able to, to take in some, you know, our biggest, our biggest revenue generator uh, was one specific request. And it was to move this elderly couple that had had a bad experience with a, a big box moving company. Okay. They moved from somewhere up north, I think Michigan to Georgia, and it just a lot of their stuff was damaged. They didn't feel really cared for. Uh, and so we did a great, we ended up having to hire our friends and do this big job. We made like $8,000 off that one job. It took like three weeks. Wow. So anyway, so I go off to college and I'm still doing, you know, I'm still doing side hustles. I'm still, I was, I, there's a, some crazy stories in there. I went to New York uh, on Black Friday and a buddy of mine, a mentor of mine was a couple years older than me. Uh, we stayed, we stayed at the Carlisle five-star, five-star hotel in New York. It costs like thousands. It costs like thousand dollars a night or something ridiculous. Yeah. And we went in, we went into, to Saks Fifth Avenue. He had a contact there. They pull all these clothes aside and everything on Black Friday, if you spent over a certain amount, it was, it was like 25 to 50% off depending on the item because they're trying to move stuff because it's the end of the season. Yeah. If you spent over $3,000, you got an additional 15 to 25% off. Plus you could get uh, no payments, no, no, no interest for 12 months, right? So it's basically, if you can, if you can buy it and flip it on a time eBay, you, yeah. did a, I mean, you could double up on this stuff because typically yeah. stuff on eBay will stuff for 50% MSRP. Well, if you do the math, we were getting a 25 to 50% discount plus an extra 15 to 25, yeah. you know, for spending over three grand. So some yeah. of that is we're getting 75% off doubling up on eBay. We made $43,000 while I was in college, wow. you know, just in a, in two weeks span. Wow. So again, it's kind of like side hustles, not really taking it seriously as like a real opportunity as a career. It was just, yeah. wow, I made good money. I don't have to work the rest of my school year. Yeah. One of those uh, ended up being a, a side hustle moving company, you know. And, and I lived in a building that I, I was joking around and say was designed by a kindergartner with a crayon because <laughs> one of the hallways, like one of the wings of the building went like an eighth of a mile away from the parking deck. And so getting your stuff, you know, into that parking deck and then furthermore to the front of the parking deck where your moving truck was, your yeah. U-Haul was, was almost impossible, right? So I happen to see these girls and they're carrying this big, you know, those big fold out sofas, right? The one has the steel frame. Those are really yeah. heavy. Yeah. Oh, and they're yeah. wobbling and weaving and almost hitting the walls. And, you know, it's just a disaster. And so I grabbed my brother and he was with me at the time. I said, Let, let's give him a hand, right? So we do, the mom tipped us like 50 bucks. And I was like, you know, I remember this. I did this in high school. We did a move and it was a lot of money. Yeah. 
maybe we got something here. So we put together a flyer, take up to the lease office manager. She's like, yeah, sure. Like there's a lot of people that ask for moving requests. We'd love to support you guys and so on and so forth. So we ended up moving like 30% of the building over the next 45 days and made thousands and thousands of dollars. It just so happened that uh, my brother, a friend of his had also went to University of Georgia where we were at the time. Uh, he, his grandfather had a moving truck. So it was just serendipity in that sense. And he was like, Hey, use a truck. It's just been sitting here for a long time. Just use it. You know, insurance is already paid for. You guys just put gas in and you're good. So we were just basically pure profit outside of the gas. Right. Wow. So I graduate, I go on and I get a quote unquote real job because again, entrepreneurship as a, as a, as a career was not really a thing at this point. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so they keep doing it and I'm funding them and, you know, coming back on the weekends and stuff like that. I had a traveling sales job around the Southeast. Uh, and, and I think they did like 23 or $25,000, Mike, and like over the course of the summer at this point in multiple buildings, not just that one apartment complex, but throughout Athens, Georgia, you know, small yeah. college town. And I'm like, you know, I, we got something here. Like I didn't certainly go to college to start a moving company, but we've got something here. So anyway, so like six months into my real job and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of question second guessing myself. And I remember there was a pivotal moment where, uh, my boss Love the guy. He was fantastic. But this was like a defining moment that I'll never forget. Like I remember what I was wearing. I remember where we were sitting. I like I, I can put myself back in that moment. It was so vivid to me still because it was such a defining moment. But he said, Chris, you're never going to be respected in this industry until your hair looks like mine. And it, his hair is white as snow. You know, and it's just like, and he was like two, three years from retirement. I'm like, I'm not trying to wait until I'm, you know, like that's, yeah. I'm not interested in that. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want your life. Kind How of old were you here. at this point? Who, who was he talking to? How old were you at? I was early twenties, man. I was maybe 22. I mean, I recently grad. This, this was within a, a year of graduation from okay, college. Okay. So I'm, I'm young, early twenties. Early twenties right? guy being early told 20s. his hair has to be white before he's going to be taken seriously. Wow. So I just kind of lost all enthusiasm. <laughs> maybe that was his way of getting me to quit the job. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, so I just, I just, I, I went to Vegas. I took my brother to Vegas for his graduation and, and I don't know, it was like one of those, uh, probably not the best time to make a life decision in Vegas uh, in, in hindsight. Uh, but I just came back. And, you know, sometimes you go on a trip, you just have some moments of reflection. Yeah. You know, you're outside of your normal cycle and you just, something just hits you and yeah. just getting out of your environment and just changes your, your perspective. And I just said, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. I, 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 this isn't for me. I just felt very out of alignment. So yeah. I come back and I said, you know, I got this moving thing. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but we've made... We had twenty something thousand dollars over a summer as college kids, just kicking it around. Yeah, and so I come back, I take it on full time, and within the next, uh, pretty much almost eighteen months from there, within the next eighteen to thirty six months, we were a multi million dollar company doing business in thirty two states, working with wow. uh, I think six of the seven major turnkey furniture manufacturers uh, in the United States for uh, for basically fully furnished student housing units. So off campus, think off campus student apartments. Yeah. Uh, so we were doing residential stuff. We we're doing installation work. I mean, it just was explosive growth. Wow. Uh, and I just really, by my mid twenties, just I'm managing something that was well beyond anything that I was certainly capable of at that time. And so I just kind of eventually just fell into it and realized that entrepreneurship for me was a lifestyle, it wasn't a career. Hmm. Nice. So when you did that, you said it was way too big for you. Did you? Because that is explosive growth. And here's the overlap, yeah. right? This is where we talk about the 80% of the business are the same, the 20% of the nuance. So real estate investors struggle with this a little bit too, where they they find their groove and they start growing and the business grows faster than, than sometimes their ability to kind of stay on top of it. And right. you know their experiences are, haven't really prepared them for hiring and HR and all this stuff. Did you have to hire like a COO or like, how did you do that? 
That's the problem. I'm so glad we bring this up because we talked about it on my show and I definitely recommend people listen to what you had to say on my show. Uh, shameless plug, but for, for very good reason, because yeah. I, we talked about the kind of the, the different paradigm, right? Looking at it paradoxically of like your situation where you're kind of took things a little bit slower and then had explosive growth versus me, like just explosive growth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are like, man, that's awesome. Like you just pursued your dreams and it took off and like, that's amazing. You just have to jump in the deep end of the pool. And I'm like, yeah, but I jumped into the deep end of the pool and didn't realize it was six inches deep. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. it, it was the most painful experience. I always say this. I almost sold us to death in a lot of ways. Wow. Uh, we were so beyond our bandwidth. And the problem is, is that when you get beyond your bandwidth, it, it, the safety net is you. The safety net is your family, yeah. right? Like yep. you have to be the glue and everything that continues to hold things together. And it's just so much more stress. Like that should have been the most enjoyable time of my life. Like yeah. God had come in and just provide this huge blessing. And I was so like, my dream became my nightmare so quickly yeah. because of growth. And people don't really like, that's crazy. Wow. And I promise you, if you've experienced a thousand percent growth, we went from $48,000. So my first full year back, I left my, my job and came back. Within the next eight months, I think we generated like $48,000. The problem is, is that that wasn't enough in a low margin business to sustain my livelihood in addition to growing the business, right? Growth requires cash. Yep. So we exploded from that point forward because in the next like six to eight months after that, we hit a half million dollars, right? Here's the thing. Uh, I quickly learned what cash flow management felt like. Yep. Uh, I quickly learned what it's like to be in a rental car going from you know one project trying to quickly catch a red eye to get to another project that we had trying to figure out how I'm going to come up with $60,000 and make payroll. I had guys all over the country. Yeah. Uh, they had, you know, most, mostly were college students and they had parents that were calling me saying, Hey, what's going on? My son is, you know, trying to check into a hotel and they can't get in. They're sleeping in the car because the cards that you have are declining because we hadn't gotten paid by the people who were supposed to get paid, the manufacturers that had contracted us yeah. because they're pushing their cash flow burden off onto us. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. I don't have the resources, nor do I even have a line of credit because the bank, we had grown so fast. The banks are like, look, two years of tax returns, no credit card, no line of credit. Despite the fact that we had, I mean, obviously proven revenues and we yeah. had proven business and proven contracts. So you could factor it, which is a death sentence in a lot of ways, because now you're talking about crazy interest yeah. or eventually we got an ABL, asset-based asset -based lending agreement, which effectively turns into factoring if you don't satisfy that note within a certain period. Yeah. So bottom line is, is I'm constantly trying to hit milestones, pushing my guys to deliver because with, with project type work like that on construction sites, when you're doing installation work, you have to hit certain milestones for completion, like 25% completion, yep. you know, begets a payment and installment, 50% yep. begets an installment and so on and so forth. Yep. Well, here's the deal. You might get to 40% completion, right? Units checked off and everything signed off on. And then all of a sudden there's a delay in construction, which can you imagine that? I mean, anytime there's construction in your local town, you, yeah. if they say a year, you can already guess it's going to be about three years, yeah. right? Yep. It's always longer than you think. Always. We were the last link in the chain. So we're the last people to get paid, meaning anything that happened, yeah. it was going to affect us because we're the last, we're, it's always going to affect totally. us. Like furniture goes in last. Yep. So we have funded 40% of the project. We have guys on the ground there. Sometimes in situations, they're just sitting around waiting for to get cleared to work more. Yeah. And we've already funded in addition to not getting paid. And now multiply that across multiple projects. It was not uncommon for me to be owed four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars. That was not uncommon, and then trying to scramble and come up with tens of thousands, if not sixty thousand dollars in in payroll. So the problem is, is that you spend most of your time at this point, and this applies to anything. Like this applies to to whatever. Like this is something you'll experience in any business if you grow too fast. Yep. What you'll end up experiencing is that you spend ninety five percent of your time plugging holes 
or managing cash flow or doing things just survival mode, yeah. not actually building a sustainable business, yeah. not actually doing the things that are going to get you out. You're cleaning up a mess to get yourself in another mess. Like you're like, well, I have to shoot myself in this foot because right now it's the only option that I have. Like yeah. there is no such thing as building forward. There's no such thing as future planning. Yeah. There's no such thing as interviewing COOs because you're literally just trying to get through the hour, let alone the day. Yeah, I mean, 100%. it is a horrifying experience that I wouldn't wish on anybody. 100%. You're totally right. People get themselves into a point where, and this is kind of what I think sometimes people talk about. They leave a job, you know, this 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 thing that they they think they don't like this nine to five job to start a business where they're working twice as much and they're just like always in survival mode. You said something yeah. really powerful right in the beginning of what you were just now saying is that your dream became your nightmare because of growth. It's so yeah. counterintuitive to someone who yeah. hasn't gone through it because you go, growth solves all your problems. It you really more money. That's it. what I thought. I said, let's sell our way out of it. Yeah. Well, it is. All you need is make more money and you'll be fine because I'm a sales guy. That was, yeah. you know, I grew up in a, in a sales environment. So you just, well, once we get to a certain point, we can hire the resources we need. Yeah. Here's the problem. And this is the crazy thing people aren't going to believe. My margins kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And then by the time we hit 1.2, I don't, I didn't even know if we were ma actually making money on, <laughs> yeah. on like half yeah. of the assignments we did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There were, there was no control. There were no controllers in place. There was nobody looking over our books. It was just yeah. because I was, so I had to learn what systems and processes look like. I had to learn what building a team looked like, building culture looked like, you know, We'd have guys, we get reports where, you know, we've, we had to hire guys off the, literally off the side of the road in some cases. I mean, that's yeah. not even an exaggeration because we were growing, picking up assignments where I've got a $140,000 contract that we picked up and, and in Los Angeles. I've never hired anybody in Los Angeles, never done anything in Los Angeles. Yeah. And we had to be there two days after Christmas to fill this. It was oh a salvage job. The, the, the installers before us uh, did a horrible job and we would always get called because we did a good job. Yeah, uh, and I prided myself on that. We did. A, we took a very white collar approach to blue collar industry, and that's why we excelled to the degree that we did. But now you're talking about having to hire entire crews around the clock, and you got you got four days to do it. How wow. how good do you think and reliable and trustworthy you think these individuals are going to be, yeah. or how much time do you really think you have to vet these people? So we get calls from the property like, "Hey, we found a couple of your guys smoking pot in the stairwell," or there was a guy that installed a bed in one of the units, and he literally went to sleep in it. I mean, it's just. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, I got stories for days uh, of just crazy stuff that happened and calls yeah. that I would get that people like I should write a book on literally those three years of my life because it's just it was so out yeah. of control. I believe and it. you quickly realize how much more sales is one, but of many levers of growing your business. And we so often equate and I'm not trying to tell people don't sell like sit around and, and yeah. you know, because if you don't sell, you have a hobby, not a business like it's yeah. so important. It is one of the levers. It's just I think when, when we have not built, built a business before, we view it as the only lever or we overemphasize yeah. the significance of that lever. Well, here's here's the part that makes it interesting. When, when someone thinks about selling their way out of a problem, every inefficiency, everything you do that is not helping you in your bit, like every little mistake you make is amplified the more money you make. So if you're running a yeah. business that's small and you're, you're inefficient, it won't seem so bad, but you multiply that by 10 and that yeah. little inefficiency is now tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars that you're wasting over time. And so yeah. when you try to sell your way out of a poorly run business, you end up with a lot of you know financial uh, issues that, that you didn't yeah. have when you were smaller. Yeah. Finally, a mentor, a mentor, I totally agree with you just said, uh, a mentor of mine finally said to me, he said, uh, he said, revenue is for, for vanity, profitability is for sanity. Yep. And I was like, you know, he's right. Because even at half a million dollars at the end of the year, my net net was better than when I made a million too. Yep. Like we were no further to our goals other than just vanity to say we made a million dollars. Yep. 
And yeah. I think we get way too infatuated, which is why I commended you uh, when we talked about your story. And I was like, you know, I think those years you spent, those four years you spent where you were like really just learning the business, albeit not exploding in yeah. the revenue growth you wanted, yeah. really prepared you for the revenue growth you experienced because it gave you time to really understand what this required and totally. what growth could potentially look like. But just to really get your hands dirty and know what to do yeah. to be able to, to manage that kind of growth. Yeah, totally. Because we're cut, we are cut from the same cloth. I would have went like all out. Like I just would have went crazy buying houses yeah. and doing, I, I wouldn't have cared. I just wanted to, I wanted the revenue. I wanted the growth. Right. And so yeah. like just, you know, if people, if they haven't heard the, the show or they haven't heard it yet, it was basically my wife that was like, Hey, let's just slow this train down a little bit. She could recognize I was like a horse just chomping at the bit waiting to get out on that track. And and she sort of kept me from doing that, which is like you said, probably one of the best things that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's, let's, okay. What happened to that business or what has happened to that business so far? Yeah. So that's, that's where um, the story kind of takes a little bit further of a downturn here. So as you can imagine, that was taking a significant toll on me. Right. Doing what I was doing, red eyes, not eating, not sleeping, you know, all these various things. And in your twenties, you're invincible. Do whatever you want. Right. Like those things don't affect you. Um, sleeping three hours a night is not a big deal. Uh, so we had noticed though throughout this process, um, that that there were some health issues starting to manifest. Right. It was like some things were starting to happen that uh, my girlfriend, whom is now my wife, started to call to my attention, like, you this is not going to end well. She was like, I used to expect phone calls about you having nervous breakdowns or, you know, some kind of a crisis of some sort, because you just, it's impossible to keep burning at both ends the way you are for as long as you've been doing it. So anyway, so, uh, 2016 rolls around and, uh, Georgia department of public safety shows up at our office. No idea why I was in Puerto Rico. Uh, we had been visiting my, my in-laws for Christmas and we were there in, in early January. And, um, he said, Hey, the, the sheriff just showed up. And he gave us a cease and desist order. Basically, the the Georgia uh, state regulatory um, whatever office decided that they were no longer allowed moving companies to use rental trucks to do what they did. Well, that's a huge chunk of my business. We One of the reasons we had been able to grow and scale like we did is because we leverage other people's assets, which is yeah. you know, a smart thing to do to scale any business because sure. we don't have to have an entire fleet of trucks we've invested in and insurance and so on and so forth. Just yep. use the ones that already exist out there and pay them for the insurance. So anyways... Um, so we're having to outsource jobs until we can get this. Basically, we had to go and, and get our own fleet of trucks, which first required us to get out of, again, to the point of growing too fast. We were in the involuntary work comp market, meaning uh, you are in assigned risk pool. So you're new. It's the same thing for people that don't know. It's the same thing when you get your driver's license when you're 16. Yeah. Your rate's higher mm-hmm. because they, you haven't proven yourself as a driver. So okay. there's what's called an involuntary market for, for insurance. And it basically means you are in a high risk pool until you get a standard policy uh, in, 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 you know, a more as, as being a more established company, which yeah. means your rate is outrageous. I was paying 30% per every $100 in payroll. I mean, that's outrageous. Wow. Like my payroll wow. was significantly more than I, or, or I'm sorry, my work comp premium was significantly more than I ever paid myself in that business. It would not be uncommon for me to pay 75, 85, $90,000 just in work comp alone. Wow. So I got to get a standard market, right? Policy in order to get a policy for the truck because the truck wouldn't give me a policy. They wouldn't underwrite a policy for the trucks until I was in a standard market. And then on top, so, so, and, and the the work Berkshire Hathaway gave me $120,000 premium because they're like, Hey, this is a big risk, but we'll do it for 120,000. And I'm, so I got 120 K just to get a, just to get a standard market policy. Wow. $30,000 to insure one truck 
plus then the cost of the truck. So $200,000 later, I've got a single truck and I'm in a standard market. Oh right? my gosh. On top of, so, so this is the hurdle that, that the government has thrown at me as far as, you know, getting out of that cease and desist. Yeah. So big mess. This is, uh, this is like, again, January-ish. So we're going through that process. And they say, yeah, it'll take two months and you'll go through. So anyway. So How many trucks did you on, need, by the way? How many trucks did you need just for context? How many were you so, eventually So I need? needed one just to have the USDOT and the state-issued number on the side of the truck. Okay. And then I could use other rental trucks. Oh, they okay, didn't cool. want you to have okay. the number. I got you. Right? So, so that was the thing. They didn't okay. want you to have solely leveraging rental vehicles, which gotcha. again, I don't know why, but that was just what they, what they were requiring. Okay. So anyways. Um, by May, and I'm sourcing out jobs. So we're, we're, I mean, we're literally sourcing out jobs to businesses that are doing exactly what we were doing. Other, other moving companies that have their own, they use rental trucks in the same way. We were, I was going to go to jail if I continued to do, literally, I was going to go to jail if I continued to defy what it is, that cease and desist. Yeah. So by May, finally, my health had gotten so, I deteriorated so bad. I, I, the month of May, not to be gross or TMI here, I had, I think, two movements the entire month. And movement Jeez, means bowel yeah, movement for right. those that aren't, yeah. So I just was not functioning. Like it just body was shutting down. Yeah, right. Right. So I go and get, uh, there was an integrative medicine practitioner or practice that was around the corner from where we lived. And my wife, she went to a university in Atlanta and she heard great things about. It. So I, I went there and um, they did $2,000 worth of labs. And they're like, Hey bud, like literally in 35 years of practice, your gut is worse than anybody we've seen for your age, not in, not overall, but for your age right. when you're being in your twenties is the worst we've, we've ever seen for your age. If you keep going at this pace, I mean, if you look down all my labs, like anytime there's a red marker, you know, or like there's, it's the, the text is red means you're, you're out of, you're not in the normal range. I mean, yeah. there was, it was Christmas tree status. I mean, it was just red all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thyroid wasn't working. My, my urinalysis and, and my saliva analysis were double zero. So my thyroid just wasn't functioning. My endocrine system was a disaster. I mean, every mineral or vitamin deficiency you can imagine I had. Wow. Um, so they're like, by at this pace, if you keep doing what you're doing, running this business the way you are, living your life the way you're leading it, having the lifestyle habits you have, you'll be gone by 40, 50 at best. That's where, that's where you're trending. Wow. So that's pretty terrifying to get that note. So I go crazy and I'm like, well, we need capital. Right, because then I can invest. I can get the truck and get us compliant. I can get back on the road and doing projects and taking on installation jobs and stuff like that, and hiring the help that I need and all these various things that I hadn't done yeah. that we really needed to get over this hurdle of being in no man's land between you know seven hundred fifty thousand and five million, especially in that business with low margins. Yep. So I pitched seven hundred twenty-five investors in three months. Seven hundred and twenty-five investors. How'd you find seven hundred twenty-five investors? How where in the world did you find these people? So there's various platforms where you can identify, you know, investors that consider deals and stuff like that. You can okay. just go onto LinkedIn and put angel investor or early stage investor, okay. you know, okay. you know, things of that nature, right? Yep. So you're you're just putting together a, a list and you're just blasting as many of you. You create a deck and I just blast. I did it the wrong way. That's not what you should do. You should build a relationship with the yeah. people you're looking to invest in. You're not just blast them out of nowhere, right? But we, you know, at this point, you're in desperation mode. Sure, so yeah, yeah. Crazy enough, man. I actually got several commitment letters of people that were like. I'm really interested in this. I can't believe you've gotten the growth you've gotten with, you know, the resources that you've had. Yeah. Let's sit down and do some due diligence. That just takes a long time. They want to really get to know you, come check you out, come to your office, look mm. at the book, do due diligence. I mean, do their process. They're going yeah. to write you a check. This isn't, this isn't the Bay. So anyways, so it's a, it's a long process. And now I'm the clock's ticking here Yeah, because cease and desist, you know, having those low margins that I had in addition to the low margins that business already provided, I'm in a bad spot. I had taken a bridge loan after I got com some commitment letters 
from a, an acquaintance of mine, hundred thousand dollars just to kind of get us through till we finish due diligence. Yep. August 26th, uh, I get a phone call. I'm four days from sitting down to, to really, you know, finalize due diligence with one of those folks, one of those individual investors. And he yeah. knew the industry understood what we were trying to do. Really, really loved the, the prospect of what we were doing. I, I really was confident about that one. Uh, this was a Friday and I was supposed to meet with him on Tuesday. Right. Okay. Get a call from my right-hand man at this point. He says, Hey, uh, I don't know if you're sitting, but you want to sit. So as it turns out, there was, um, uh, our guys were coming back on the Florida turnpike and uh, basically were run off the road and they had a collision with a, a truck inside the road coming up the turnpike, drove them both off the road. They were currently, when he called me, they were using the jaws of life to get the other people out of their vehicle. Uh, and they were, they were landing a helicopter on the highway to life like them. Wow. That was, that was the call I got. So I hop in the car and I'm flying down the highway. I'm free. I mean, I'm at this point I'm, I'm, I'm shaking. Like at this point I'm having panic attacks almost every day, Mike. I mean, yeah. cause I'm free. Like the time is of the essence. Time's running out. I've taken this bridge loan. I, I'm obviously not gonna be able to pay it back because I just keep, I'm just bleeding out. I mean, faster, literally faster. Like didn't even feasibly make sense how fast I was bleeding out. Right. And yeah. pitching these deals and being like, I, I have to sell this deal or, or it's over. Right. Yeah. And my health on top of that is a disaster. Right. Yep. And so anyways, um, I call my attorney and, and given the cease and desist, cause we got to a point where we just defied the cease and desist cause I had no choice. And now yeah. I get an accident. The first accident we had ever had in the history of that oh, business. God. And so here I am thinking, Mike, I'm like, I'm going to jail. Like if these people die, if my guys die because my work comp had just expired because I, I couldn't afford to renew it, I'm going to jail like for real. Right. So I'm freaking out. We get down there and I swear to God, if I, if I, I'll send you the pictures, Mike, personally, when we're off this, because if you look at that vehicle, there's no way, if you don't believe in something, you know, bigger than you, yeah. you'll believe it after you see these pictures, these people should have all died. Yeah. The, fortunately we had paid budget rental truck for their biggest insurance policy. Thank the good Lord, because that paid out a million dollar settlement. And the people that were in that vehicle, basically their truck wedged underneath our moving truck and it smashed their car down over their, their faces. Their heads went through the windows and their faces were like scraped against the side of our moving truck. I mean, wow. hellacious inju injuries, right? Thank God our guys went unscathed, relatively unscathed. Who's, but, whose fault was it, by the way? Was it, were you guys at fault? It was, it, it was, it was mutual. So they were, so what happened was they were speeding. They were speeding to get around our guys and then our guys. So, you know, in Florida, if you guys have been to Florida, uh, they have those, those kind of like gas stations in the middle and the, the, in the median. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so instead of pulling off to the side of the road, you can just pull into that middle gas station and in, in on the turnpike. Okay. Right. Yeah. So my guys are, are almost out of gas. So they turn it in, use their turn signal and they, the other people are speeding at the same time. Mm. So it was a kind of like joint responsibility gotcha. kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, not a good situation. So I, I call my attorney and he's like, the business is done. Like he knew we were continuing to operate. I, I, I had run it by my advisors and my attorney yeah. and been like, I don't have choice. And they all kind of gave the thumbs up, but like, uh, it's yeah. on you, man. Like, yeah. you want to take yeah. the risk, go yeah. for it. But they understood why I was doing it. You know, I didn't want to lose that business, especially we were so close to getting over the hurdle as I saw it. Um, so anyways, business was over at that point. So now I've got, I'm sick. I'm bedridden. The business is closed. I've got the entire mess that's, that's you know, dealing with that. I've got lawsuits. Uh, I'm possibly going to get in legal trouble, like criminal legal trouble because I was operating without the, the things that I needed. Mm -hmm. And then the bridge loan that I took, they're coming after me too. So I had several lawsuits, business, health, everything. I mean, I'm a disaster. And in, in addition to now, we had depleted all of our personal reserves trying to, you know, keep our runway with that business. 
and I'm bedridden and suicidal. And, and I mean, it's a, I'm in a bad, bad, dark, dark place. Yeah. So we had to buy out of our lease. We had to borrow money to buy out of our lease. We moved far away from the city so we could afford a place to live and kind of licked our wounds, you know, going forward. But yeah, it was a, it was a hellacious 2016. Uh, people talked about 2020, how challenging of a year it was. Let's just say uh, 2020 for me after going through 2016 was a walk in the park. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. And that's incredibly powerful. My gosh, I don't think I've ever heard a story that bothered me and got me so emotionally wrapped up as what you just told me. That's horrible. And uh, so, okay. So where did your health go from there? Let's let's focus on that for a minute. You're in horrible health. And then once you're in horrible health, horrible things continue to happen, which yeah. could not have helped your health. Like what? Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, let's start a new chapter. That business is gone mm. and now you're licking your wounds. And, and so what did you focus on next? What did your life look like at that point going forward? Yeah. yeah. So I would be, I want to make sure I say this because it's very important to people. Like if, it, you know, I think that we, we always hear the story at a high level. We never hear like the true depths of where people are. Yeah. You know, everybody loves a good redemption story, but I think it's important. Some people don't give themselves permission to just really feel like hell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, better part of 2017, I licked my, I, I didn't really get out of bed. If I'm being totally candid, I, I really didn't have much of a desire. I had a, not only did I have a, um, you know, the health crisis, but I had an existential crisis of like, I had built up my reputation as Chris, the successful entrepreneur mm -hmm. for so long um, that without that, I didn't really know who I was anymore. You know, like if I'm not this and who am I? Right. Yep. And yep. so that was really, really difficult. Um, and, you know, feeling like a failure and like having to tell everybody, you know, I didn't tell people what happened. I was like, oh yeah, we sold the business. Like I didn't even, I, I didn't have didn't have the heart to like go through it and tell this story every single time of what happened, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, so I, I slowly started to, I had a choice cause my father's a Crohn's sufferer. And so this was looking very hereditary, the yeah. gut issues that manifested into basically a chain reaction of everything else kind of shutting down on my body. Yeah. Um, but I saw the suffering that he went through for years. I've never known him in my life to not have this disease to be suffering from this disease. I've seen the ups and the downs. I've seen the side effects. I've seen everything that the pharmaceutical route looks like yeah. to treat Crohn's. Yep. And I'm 29 years old. I have no interest in living a life like that uh, for the rest of my life. Right. Yeah. So I decided well, I'm going to learn whatever I need to learn, do what I can uh, to hopefully treat this naturally. And then if I have to, then okay, then I'll take the prednisones and the Humeras or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just started immersing myself in, in my education of health and wellness and just making that my sole number one focus and job. Uh, my health was got, had gotten so bad at that point that literally, Mike, like taking my trash out or making a trip to the grocery store was like the big win of the day. Wow. Um, you know, because you're just so depleted in so many ways. Like your body, there's just no reserves left. It, and there's a plethora of reasons I can explain as to why that happens. Mitochondrial health. There's a variety of different issues as far as what was going on. Yeah. Um, you're not producing neurotransmitters because your gut is a mess. You've got severe depression and all those various things. But anyways, um, yeah, I just immersed myself. So I just fell in love with learning from guys like Dr. Josh Axe or Jordan Rubin or Dr. Eric Berg or Dr. Mark Hyman or, or whomever that's online just talking about functional integrative medicine yeah. uh, and, and just read the books and read the success stories. And I saw that Jordan Rubin and you know, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and visited all these countries and all, he died. He literally died. He had Crohn's. We got to college and all of a sudden had Crohn's. He got down to 95 pounds and 
they, he was in Russia seeing some specialists. Literally, his family took him to Russia and he died on the table right there. And they were able to revive him this and that. And he's telling his story. And I'm like, my God, this is this. For one, this could have been worse. But for two, I see him now and he's made it. And that gave me so much hope, yeah. right? So, so I think a lot of people in those moments, they don't look for success stories to inspire them, to motivate them. They just kind of sulk. And you, yeah. It's easy to uh, have your focus inward when you feel so shitty, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just focused on all the inspiration I could externally. Mm-hmm. And so what spawned out of that was my podcast because I was like, okay, what can I do right now? Like I can't work. I, my, my superpower, as I saw it in entrepreneurship was work hard. Yeah. I was willing to outwork anybody. I'd outwork anybody in the gym. I'd outwork anybody, you know, you know, in, in business and, you know, putting the 18 hour. I prided myself on that. Masochistically yeah. prided myself on that. Right now I don't have that because doctors are telling me, if you keep working like this, it's, you're not going to get better. Right. Yeah. So they're like, I don't want any stress in your life. Okay. Well, that's easier said than done when you've got <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars of lawsuits. You got a health Just crisis. Just hearing that you can't have stress stresses you out. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. Plus my wife. So thank God. Uh, she had already started her business. Well, she had been running her business as a, as a social media manager. She had my. She had now been transitioning into um, course creator, so selling online information products yep. and having a membership. So, honestly, God, she is in so many ways like a guardian angel for my life. She's just incredible. She inspires me in so many ways. But she had just she just took over and just ran and launched her business. And just exploded, exploded wow. within a very short period of time. She's doing twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month with information wow. products and like was able to give me everything that I needed, the specialist, the the diet, the alternatives, you know, visiting the various, whatever I needed, we, we were investing in. Meanwhile, what I'm doing is just investing in my health, making it my full-time job and doing this podcast. Hmm. Because what I knew was that what I did was not the route to success. I had done some things right, but I'd done a lot of things wrong. I, I, there were so many things along my journey that I wish I had known prior to it having it kick me in the ass, Yeah, you know? Yep. And so- I wanted to learn from people, you know, what have you done? And, and some of the most beautiful conversations came out of that. And the show, fortunately, within the first couple of weeks of starting it was trending. This is where it's such a divide God moment, but it was trending top five in the world on iTunes on business, health and education. And wow. I'm like, wow. So out of the ashes comes this thing that I don't know what it's going to be, but right now it's giving me a lot of excitement. It's something that I can focus on that's positive in my life outside yeah. of the fact that my wife is a, a beast and she's crushing it. So I'm having conversations pretty soon and we reached out like, why not? So I had connected with, uh, with some of the pe- people at, at Shark Group, Damon John's, you know, the kind of the brand behind Damon John. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, I'd love to have Damon. My show's trending. They're like, yeah, that's great. He's promoting a book right now. I'm like, are you kidding me? Damon John's coming on my pod. So we leveraged that and, you know, we got all these other people, the Grant Cardone's and the guy Kawasaki's and Jack Canfield and all yeah. these New York Times bestselling authors and all these amazing billionaires and, you know, thought leaders and authors and, you know, just titans of industry are, are now... I'm getting their undivided individual attention, but more importantly, their advice. Because yeah. all of the questions I'm asking, yeah. sure, I'm asking for my audience. <laughs> you better believe I'm asking because I want to yeah. know yeah. Right, what yeah. it is that you do that makes you great. Yep. And, and, and one of the most beautiful things that came out of that, in addition to the X's and O's, when, you know, the X's and O's are really important. And I learned, I, I feel like the last four years of me recovering have been like, that business was my MBA. This feels like my PhD, yeah. right? That's what it feels yeah. like, yeah. you know? The first, my first business was four years and, you know, MBA. And then this is the next four years of my PhD. That's the way I'm looking at it. I'm yep. choosing to, to view it that way. Yeah. Well, you're right. So, like you said, I, I'm totally with you, man. I get it. I, I ask questions on my show a lot of times for my audience, but 
I'm selfishly asking things I want to know. There's a reason why I don't have a set of questions yeah. that I just cram down everyone's throat. I want yeah. it to go where it's interesting for me and that I can really learn because I think everyone's going to learn when I learn. So Exactly, exactly. But, but one of the common denominators that I found, and it just gave me so much peace about my situation, feeling like such a failure and feeling like you know, that I was inherently flawed in all these ways and that my health was never going to permit me to go do and achieve my, my dreams and my goals and stuff like that. And every single one of them almost... I'm almost predictably had been through hell. Yeah. Had had a Damon John hustling t-shirts out of the back of his car at Yankee Stadium, had to shut down three or four different times. Mom's leveraging the mortgage so that he can hustle out the garage of her home. Yeah. I mean, guys sleeping in their offices, sneaking into the gym to shower, right? And, and I mean, it's just time and again, business partners had, you know, taken all the money and disappeared and they got screwed out of their business. I mean, it was just story after story after story. And I'm listening to their struggles and I'm like, there's just something to be said about the, the path of success, the path of greatness that just, when you stretch yourself, eventually, sometimes you're going to fall on your face and that's part of the process, right? So what I have to do is I just have to be able to learn how to get up more times than I fall down. And it just normalized that up and down process so much, but also then how can I equip myself with the knowledge that I need so that I don't make careless mistakes, silly mistakes that costed me so much. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're, you're going to be bulletproof and you're never going to experience this again. And for all intents and purposes, I might, like, I have no idea. I might experience it again, but I'm prepared for it this time. Like I know what that path looks like. It also takes the fear away in so many ways, right? Because you've seen them and they've been through it. Okay, great. And now you've been through it too. And now you're you're pulling out of it. It's like, what's the worst that could happen? I don't think much worse that could happen in my life other than literally losing my life. Yeah. That is worse than what I experienced, at least as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So now I'm I, in a lot of ways, I'm willing to take these bold steps. I'm willing to do these things because I'm operating with a degree. It's like the mortality experience that Brendan yeah. Burchard talks about, where he literally almost died in a car accident in Jamaica when he was younger in his teens. And he like it gives him, he, he looks at it as a gift because it gives him so much courage. Because he's like, yeah. what could get worse than me almost dying and losing my life? Like it just, yeah. just gives you perspective that you wouldn't have otherwise. So totally. throughout that process. Uh, that was like the beacon. My wife and that was like the beacon of hope that I had to move out of it. And then I've just kind of continued to thrive and, and rebuild myself as a result. And fortunately today, if you look at my labs, I just had them done. I do them every year at the beginning of the year, just to analyze where I'm at. If you look at those labs, Mike, and you look at what I was at four years ago, right? When I was diagnosed, you looking at them side by side, if I didn't, if I crossed out, you know, I, I redacted the name, you'd be like, these are two different people. Yeah. Like it, my, my testosterone was like high twos, low threes. 850 now. I mean, that's a naturally, naturally, yeah, not yeah. TRT, naturally. And in every way, that's the case. Did it completely naturally with this dedication, changing my lifestyle, rebuilding myself, investing in my health, investing in my future. I mean, all those things that you people talk about, climbing that mountain, climbing that Everest every single day through the ups and downs. Uh, and it was hard. And I almost gave up a million times and said, you know, give me the drugs. I'll just, I'm just going to fly. I'm just going to flame out at 50 and just go down a blaze of glory. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. I wish I could tell you I was committed every time. I wish I could tell you I was committed to entrepreneurship every single Dude, day. Dude, if you told I me wasn't. you were committed every single day, I'd, I'd think you were uh, lying. Right? Total lie. Nobody's committed every uh, single BS. day. I don't yeah. care who you look at. They have days where they have doubts and bad days. So I would be doing a disservice. And I know that your situation's, um, it's not unique, but it's specific a little bit to, and everyone doesn't go through the exact same health issues you had. But just at a high level, right, at, at a kind of more of a macro level, what kinds of things do you do health-wise in terms of like exercise and eating? Are there any like staples and things that you go, yes. I don't care what's wrong with you. Like these are things I've learned that are important. 
Yes. All right. So I'm so glad you asked that because there are some staples that, you know, you don't have to get into the nuance of what I have to do right. and what I do. I'm, I'm a total nerd biohacker. You know, I follow the guys like Dave Asprey and Ben Greenfield. Like they're, they're doing some kind of, you know, wearable device or injecting themselves with something or doing crazy <laughs> stuff in some yeah, country yeah. all the time. That's the kind of stuff I do now. Yep. There's a couple staples though that you have to nail. The, the, the first one is sleep, right? Like you have to hack your sleep. You, you have to make, like, there's so many of us that we're waking up in the morning exhausted. We're yawning in the afternoon. Those things aren't normal. We're watching TV until one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. You've got to nail your sleep. You've got to have two hours before you go to bed. You have got to have either blue light blocking glasses, which is what I'm wearing right now, or you've got to turn all the lights off, period. You've got to hit your numbers. You've got to get 10 to 15 hours of deep sleep. You got to get 20 to 25 hours of REM every single night. That alone will remedy most of your problems. Wait, One of the biggest issues you that said I had 20 is to I 25 hours of REM. What? What kind of sleep do you need? Say that again. I, I okay, misheard 10 you. To 15 and 10 to 15 percent of deep of, okay. your, of your total sleep time needs okay. to be in deep sleep. I got right? you. Okay. So some people sleep nine hours. Like, I sleep nine hours a night. I'm like, well, yeah, but that doesn't matter. If you, if let's say, okay, let's say you, you're watching TV till late at night, right? And so you're basically what happens is, is that you're unable to convert serotonin into melatonin, which allows you to more seamlessly go into deep sleep. Yep. So you may go to bed at 11 or 12 and then sleep till eight or nine and say, well, I got my nine hours, eight hours. What's the problem? I'm yeah. still exhausted. So, well, here's the deal. Your sleep efficiency was terrible because you were, uh, you are preventing your body from naturally producing melatonin going yeah. into deep sleep that you need. Yeah. Deep sleep cleanses the body. It literally flushes the body. REM flushes the brain, okay. right? Yep. So you will literally start developing toxins in both your body and your brain. If you don't hit those numbers, it's a critical, you go long periods of time. It's going to be, you're going to create a, a cataclysmic effect, yeah. negative effect on your body. So sleep is everything. You've okay. got to nail sleep. And I love it. And some people are like, I don't have time to sleep. Okay. You can get seven hours and still hit the 10 to 15% and 20 to 25% of REM and be good. Like yeah. it's not the quality, it's, it's not the volume, it's the quantity, right? So, or the, the quality rather. You want so to blue blockers, blue. turning off lights, whatever it takes two hours before you go to bed. That's the first, okay. yeah, that's the first thing. Okay. The, the second thing is going to be relatively obvious for a lot of people, but it's nailing, nailing the diet, right? So, so to start. Let's, let's get rid of the nonsense. Let's get rid of the Cokes. Let's get rid of the sodas. Let's get rid of the fast food or at least limit it. Maybe you give yourself a couple of cheat meals a month or what have you, but you want to get as many raw, grass-fed, uh, uh, antibiotic-free, hormone-free, you know, cage-free, whatever you can buy. And I promise you there's places you can find those at a discount, specifically now when the world is changing and evolving. And there's so many places yeah. like Aldi that have phenomenal options at a discount yep. where you don't have to go to whole, whole check, AKA whole foods and pay $600. <laughs> like check. those, those options exist. Yeah. So you really want to nail that. The last part. So this is the trifecta. You nail these three. I promise a lot of your issues are going to go. And I get more into the diet specific if you'd like, but the last part is stress. So stress, cortisol is one of the biggest issues that you're going to have if you have, if you're running a business, right? Because what ends up happening is your body uh, is going to eventually run it. You can only produce a certain amount of cortisol a day. When you're burning that out all the time and then you're throwing caffeine on top of that, what ends up happening is you stop producing enough. Cortisol is a natural anti-inflammatory. And when you run out of that stuff, you start having infl inflammatory effects in the body where it starts causing those chain reaction of issues that you're having. Hmm. Your hormones get out of whack and it just is a down, downhill slippery slope from there. So stress is one of the worst things. I would say this, and there's a million studies I can provide to, to validate this. You could live a life not doing a lot of the healthy things that you, you should be doing. If you don't have stress, I can promise you the person that has stress, but does all the things like I, let's say I still had stress and I'm doing all these health things. Yeah. It, we would probably balance each other out purely based on the stress alone. Okay. Right. So one of the things that I do, and I highly recommend this device to anybody, anybody, right. Is the Garmin Vivo smart four. This thing is going to save 
an entrepreneur, this is your best friend. A type A driven person, this thing is your best. I live and die by this thing. Now, a lot of it is still instinctual. Like I'm still relying on my gut feeling and this and that, but right. I like data. I like numbers. I yeah. live my life in numbers. I live my business in numbers. Numbers, you're going to make love to the numbers in all areas of your life because the numbers are going to help you in business to know where your opportunities are. They're going to help you all. Your numbers, and what I mean by that is this thing has what's called a body battery, right? So that body battery is a, an amalgamation, a formula of various components that includes HRV. HRV stands for heart rate variability. Heart rate variability is the closest metric that we have to measuring stress. Okay. okay. Now, stress could be uh, a variety of different things. We think stress like, oh God, I'm not going to make my bills. That's one form of stress, but there's you stress and there's stress. So you going to the gym puts stress in your body. Uh, you know, th- thinking about something intensely is stressful. You know, do, yeah. Anything you do is putting some form of stress on the body. Think yeah. stress is like just exerting energy in some way, right? right. What this thing does is it will tell you here, you know, out of a scale of one to 100, here's where you are today. So I know, Mike, if my body battery, I wake up as a 41, then I know that's a day that I can't push very hard, right? If my body battery is 100, I know this is a day I can really push, right? Or I can really push myself at the gym and I can do all these things. The problem is, is that we're getting to maybe a 30 or 40 body battery every day, not knowingly. And then on top of that, we're just drinking, we're to say, well, this is going to be a big caffeine day, yeah. producing more cortisol, which is going to further affect the gut and all of those functions, creating more of an inflammatory response. And then you start creating that chain reaction that I created. Yeah. So this is my governor. This gives me permission. This is my, my personal trainer that I take with me everywhere. Tell me the, the name of it. Tell me the name of it again, real quick. I'm sorry. It was Garmin, a Garmin. Garmin, like the GPS, Yep. right? They make something that's called the Vivo. It's, it's spelled V-I-V-O smart. So it's a little hyphen over the I. So it's pretend, it's technically Vivo Smart, but it's spelled Vivo Smart. Got it. And this is Vivo Smart Four. You can get it on an, you can get it on Amazon for a hundred dollars. Okay, cool. Yeah, best hundred hundred dollars you ever spent. Yeah, I want to put that in the show notes. Good, thank Please. you. Please. So that also will give you what I talked about before, right? And I want to get into some other aspects of what it'll provide. I feel like you know they should one hundred percent sponsor me here. <laughs> it will also give you those sleep numbers that I mentioned, right? So you wake up in the morning and get guess what you do? You look at the app, you refresh. It'll tell you here's how much deep sleep you got. Here's how much light sleep. Here's how many awakenings. Here was your stress in the night. So here's the deal. If you went to bed and you watch a certain program, you can see your stress on that scale is really high when you first sleep. It also could be something you ate. So if you eat, if you ate a high carb diet or a high carb meal before you went to bed, mm-hmm. you might see that you're having a big insulin spike and it was causing stress in your body and that's affecting your sleep numbers. So you'll be able to craft something that works for you. And then more importantly, throughout the day, this thing will nudge you when you're too stressed, it will nudge you when it's time to get up and move around because we're, we're creatures that need to move. We yeah. need to breathe. We need to move. We need to, you know, get up and get things flowing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we sit too long. Right. And that's really bad for our brain and our body to be just in this position of sitting for more than an hour at a time. Yeah. This thing will nudge me and remind me, Hey, you've been sitting for a while. You need to clear that. You need to go move. Yep. So for me, this thing is, is huge primarily obviously for the stress, but it also helps me manage the lifestyle habits that I'd like in addition to the diet uh, and the, the, the sleep. So you nail those three, I promise you're going to be in a lot better shape and you're going to protect yourself going forward so that you can push as hard as you want in your business, or at least put, continue to push and not flame out like I did. Right. Now, let me ask you this. I, I, I think I have a sense of what you're going to say, but you conspicuously did not mention exercise. And I don't think that's because you don't believe in exercise, but what I think is interesting is people sometimes think, and I, I, I've been guilty of this too, like there's really no point in dieting and getting sleep because I don't exercise, so what's the difference? You just yeah. named the trifecta and not one mm-hmm. one of the three was not diet, or I'm sorry, not exercise, not, not exercise. exercise. 
Yeah. So, so talk to me about that. How does yeah, exercise so very, play? That, I'm glad you bring that up because so that's a. I, I look at that as a. Now, I'm not saying that exercise isn't important. It's absolutely important. But yeah. you got to nail those three first, right? Yes. Here's the deal. This is ridiculous, but this is what they found. There are some moms that are stay-at-home moms that are in better health condition and better shape than guys that go to the gym every single day. It, it, it really doesn't take as much as you think. Like you could literally go for leisurely walks. As long as you get 7,500 steps a day, you're in great shape. So we tend to romanticize the gym. Like so many of us, for example, Mike, we're killing ourselves at the gym. We're not losing weight. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, because you have a bloating and inflammation problem, you have a gut problem. You don't have necessarily excess body fat, right? Yeah. You might have other issues going on. So we tend to romanticize the gym and what it requires to actually be in good condition. Now, not, not abs, I'm going to the beach condition, but good foundational, solid human health, right? right requires you to just move. So I did mention moving with this device sure. and that is important, yep. but yeah, you could literally do 7,500 steps a day, 8,500 steps a day, somewhere in that range and be just as, if not significantly more healthy than someone that's not doing those other three things that I mentioned, but is going to the gym every single day. Right. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So let's talk. We've talked about your business that almost killed you. We talked about all the horrible things that was stressful. If I would have had one of those things on, I think it would have been going off because I was getting stressed out listening to that whole journey. No, no, Mm. man, it's good. Well, yeah, I guess I'll send you the bill if I have to go to the hospital. But um, (laughs) we talked about your health journey. We talked about what your wife did to kind of jump in and, and, you know, be that person who was your, your kind of your savior at that time, which is totally cool. I love that part of the story, Mm. frankly. What do you do now? What does your life look like from a business standpoint? I understand yeah. health where you're at, but where are you at business-wise now? What do you do to – because you said you can't stress out. So I think a lot of people listening going, how in the heck do you have a successful business without tons of stress? Like, What do you do and yeah. how do you keep that stress down? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so the podcast kind of spawned into me launching an online business because I said, okay, well, what can I do? I can't do the heavy lifting. I can't do the pushing. I can't do the, st- the sprinting that I did before. Yep. So what can I do? So wisdom work, right? So uh, I started finding clients that were experiencing growth the way that I was. Because, wow, here's a guy that had accelerated growth, grew a thousand percent from year one to year two, and then doubled it by year three. Um, and so people that were raising money, looking at scale, trying to navigate growth, yep. uh, build their systems and processes was right up my alley. So I started really using the online space to start filling up that bucket to get clients. Uh, I also really invested myself and I'm a Silicon Valley, um, I'm involved with the Silicon Valley Accelerator Program for the chapter here in Austin. I'm the entrepreneur in residence for that. So again, mentoring, I'm a mentor for a lot of different co-working spaces. So using wisdom work uh, was, was a saving grace for me um, and working with high growth clients allowed me to charge a rate that was suitable for me to continue to push something forward for myself. Uh, and then, and this is something I really teach to people and I think is important and we'll touch on this, but again, I want people to kind of really meditate with this because I think it's important, um, but use that as an iterative step of the process to eventually start selling my own online digital products, right? I think too many of us, because it's so easy to do so now, we go from idea to final iteration, idea to scale, right? And there's just so much to be said about rolling up your sleeves, being face-to-face with somebody, being face-to-face with your market, learning what the basic MVP looks like, really falling in love with that business, immersion, total immersion, so that you you can replicate that at scale, right? So that was me kind of learning. And it's funny because a lot of people were like, well, you've already done it once. You'll do it quickly again. It's like, yeah, but in any business, you, you can accelerate the steps, but you can't skip the steps. Yeah, Like you yeah. got to go back to square one. And so that's what I've been doing. I went back to square one, not as fast as I would have liked, obviously, because I'm a crazy entrepreneur, but going back to square one, starting with the podcast, getting clients, 
you know, doing the mentorship, stuff like that. And then recently within the past couple of months, uh, we are launching our first um, umbrella of online programs. And we, we call the business, the, that side of the business is called Startup U, like Startup University. Uh, and so we're launching a plethora of different programs inside of Startup U uh, that will help entrepreneurs navigate some of the things that, that I experienced, right? Because I remember telling myself throughout that journey, my gosh, if I had known this six months ago, and I got tired of saying that because I said it all the time. Yeah. And I was like, we've got to provide resources at large, you know, at scale for people. But also too, there's a lot of individual course creators and, and I'm not taking any shots at them. I learned from many of them and some of them are my mentors, but I didn't like, there was like a, a name, like a brand name, a Nike, a McDonald's, right? Like a mm-hmm. Coca-Cola, like somebody that was like recognized as a big name yeah. that was a, a, a Google that they could go to. So we, we were trying to, I'm not, I'm not certainly not putting us that in that conversation at all. I just wanted to use them as a, as a North node sure. of what could be for entrepreneurs for information. So eventually we'll have resources that cover a wide variety of different topics and resources, whether it's starting a podcast right now, or the program we're starting with is our flagship program called startup launch factory, which is literally how do you do what we did? We've kind of crystallized that now to go through to analyze your market, develop your ideal client avatar, build your first landing page, get your first 100 customers. How do you use data from the market so that you're not taking guesses? Yeah. Because the guesswork, the guesswork of figuring out who your audience is and what they want is what keeps, it was what prolongs your struggle, yeah. is what keeps you from stuck in your job, not being able to pursue your business full time. And then eventually just saying, well, this is crazy. I, I don't, I can't put in this energy. I'm going back to my job. Yeah. So yeah. we tried to really accelerate the process, help people transition more quickly, more efficiently into starting their own business and then doing it right, right? So we take you womb to tomb, starting the business all the way down to validating the idea in the market to scaling out and hiring your virtual assistant, making your first hire, building company culture, womb to tomb all the way through. So that's going to be our flagship first program we're launching. Okay. And then we'll have a variety of other ancillary offers that we continue to offer based on what your specific need is in your business. You're saying we, who's involved with you? Is there other other people involved with you or is this your, your thing that you've got a team that you've built? No, we've got a full team. Yeah, but yeah. I, I am the founder of the company. Yeah. Okay, but, but it's yeah, not I like you we, and a bunch of founders. It's, it's, okay. it's a it's it's a culture. Yeah, habit yeah. no, no, no I like it. I just wanted to clarify yeah. for people. Um, first yeah. of all, womb to tomb is hilarious. I love that. It's not hilarious. It's just it's funny. I've never heard it before. I've heard so many sure. people talk about these kind of concepts. Womb to tomb yeah. is great. I love that, man. Um, so startup you is the new thing. Can people? Where can people go? Is that something that's available to to folks to go and 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 see now or or to sign up or pre pre register? How does that? Yeah. So we did an early bird for Black Friday and then we've closed that. We did a beta group. So that's closed right now, but we are going to open up a wait list. uh, If people want to take interest in that, they can join my email list or they can go actually get startupu.com and they can actually join the wait list uh, for that. So when it's launched, you'll have very first access to the program uh, to be able to check it out. And then any of the other StartupU programs, you'll have access to that as well. Get startupu.com. Okay getstartupu.com. And then also you mentioned your podcast. I was on, it's called Entrepreneur Hour. Um, again, recently rebranded a Startup U podcast to match the branding for Startup U. Perfect. And that's already been taking place. That's happened. Yeah, that's already happened. Okay. Okay. Startup U podcast. Go check that out, guys. Because if you can't tell already, uh, Chris is not only an engaging guest, he's a fantastic host. And I've been on a lot of shows. I mean, hundreds of shows over the last few years. And uh, very few hosts impress me like some of them are just fine they're, they're good it's a good time and i have a good conversation sure. uh but there are hosts out there people who who do talk like this to a lot of folks who i find incredibly good at what they do and you you definitely are one of them so uh Thank people you, should Mike. check that out because whether whether or not you're talking about real estate which i know you're not 
you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Some of them are real estate. Most of them aren't, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one that you guys should be listening to for a number of reasons. So go check that out, not just because I was on it, but because it's great. I, I have sure. subscribed and I listen to it now. So you're Thank you're you. really, really good at what you do. Um, you. And man, the, some of these concepts, not some of them, all of these concepts that you've talked about, the health issues, the rapid growth, the breakdown, the things you had to do to kind of keep the glue in place. And really, what one of the like underlying Underlying things that you you've sort of touched on here quite substantially is this identity crisis you have when you build something that where your dream becomes your nightmare because of growth and people can't let go. And I don't know if that accident hadn't happened on the road and if your health wasn't bad, how much longer you would have held on and tried to like sell your way out of it and raise yeah. money that you maybe could or couldn't potentially pay back. Like people do that and it, and it wrecks them. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the last thing I would say, if you if you don't mind, I got a, a quick point that I think is so probably the most important thing I'm going to say today. If you don't mind, I'll say it real sure. quickly. I know yeah. we're running out of time here, um, but you know we know all the X's and O's, we know all the hacks and stuff like that. But but here's what I here's what I learned throughout this experience, and I just had a, the most profound conversation this past week that I've had with uh, one of my mentors that I've had in, in years, Mike, years. And I'm a man of faith. I know you've heard me talk about God and stuff like that throughout this conversation, but, but whatever you believe in, I think this still applies. So please just insert whatever works for you in this equation. It doesn't have to be what I believe in. Yep. But what I learned is that God is the ultimate growth hack. So I have learned to lean into God uh, because whenever I have tried to rely on my own wisdom, uh, whenever I tried to just rely on my own plans, I tell you this, when I, when I left my job and I went to start to grow that business full-time, I remember Mike. I had just become a Christian and I was on fire for it. And every single day I went to my office, I had these moments where I like literally had conversations with God. And I felt like I was doing something that was going to be profound in the world. I don't think I ever thought about the money. I really don't. I just wanted to do something that had an impact that I could make an influence and do something really cool and special. And that was when that growth happened. And then I told, I, I told my mentor, my, one of my mentors just the other day, I said, and then we had half a million. Guess what I did? It was all about the money, baby. It was, how do we make 20? How do we do this? How do we do that? And yeah. I just said, okay, God, like you can take a back seat. I got it. Right. Yeah. And I just kicked yeah. out. And then I'm telling you like almost, almost instantaneously, like almost right. Was when the bad decisions started to happen. When I started pushing beyond where we were, I didn't trust the plan, the divine plan for my life. I tried to be the, the, the driver of my own fate and this and that. And it's important that you work hard. I'm not telling you to sit back and let God just open doors for you and do all yeah. the work. That's not going to happen. But there's just something about leaning into God that honestly, I look back now, look back now. And I say, I, in a way, I'm envious of that young kid that had no idea what he was doing because I have all this knowledge. But sometimes the smarter I get, the dumber I get because I start relying on my own mechanics. I start relying on my own knowledge versus saying, you know, yeah, I'm learning a lot, but I'm learning a lot so that I can lean into God to lead my life in ways that only God knows. And, and I'm just going to be, you know, a, a, a hard worker in that process, soldier in that process. So I want to leave people with that because I think that's such an important part of the conversation that we just don't talk about in entrepreneurship is that mm-hmm. divine aspect of our life and the purpose of our life. Yep. I can't approve upon that. And I don't want to muddy it with any weird commentary that isn't as good as what you just said. So uh, I appreciate that. It's a great place to end. I could literally talk to you all day because I enjoy yeah. listening to you. I think we think a lot alike and it's just, we, you know, we feed off each other. So the conversations are always great. Thank you for doing this, man. Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I'm going to go get one of those garments. I wrote it down. It's going to be in the show notes, but I'm going to get one because I, think I love it guys. Uh, and if you could, before Mike lets me go here, if you do me a quick favor, uh, 
what Mike does, it, it, there's a lot of work and time and sacrifice that goes into this. So if you could do me a huge favor, I promise you, it literally takes 27 seconds to do it. Whatever platform you're listening from, hit subscribe and leave him a quick review. Just say something, anything, great show, whatever. You don't have to say anything or you can just hit five stars. The reason being is because the platforms like Apple, that's the number one way that you get your show to rank higher. It's not downloads, it's actually subscribers and reviews. So if you yeah. could do that, it's like leaving a tip for your waiter. So I would really be eternally grateful to you if you could just help Mike out to do that for just thank him for providing this content to you in your life for free. Yeah, thanks for saying that. You're absolutely right. It means everything to us. So um, thank you again, guys. Go check out the podcast uh, and go go to the website. Check out what he's got going on because this is someone who's been there, done that, gone through the highs and the lows and has a better perspective. I'm, I promise you, I promise you, it's less about the nuts and bolts than it is about everything else that we're gonna that we talked about today and that he's gonna teach you in that course. Guys, go check it out. Chris is the real deal. He knows what he's talking about. Thanks again for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. It's great having you on. And I I hopefully we can connect again in the future. I would love to to have you on regularly and, and kind of keep up with what's happening because I really resonate and I really appreciate your story and what you stand for. So thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Mike. This is fun. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. All right, guys. Seriously, now that that really hit home with me because, uh, as Chris referenced, I did start a little slower in my real estate business, but we did hit a point of rapid growth. And a lot of the stuff he talked about uh, was something that I experienced. I didn't have the health concerns that he had exactly, uh, but rapid growth, stress, trying to keep things together. Um, not doing everything super smart as we were rapidly growing and having to figure that out and recover. Um, but guys, it's a cautionary tale. You know, we're all trying to be successful. And he mentioned it right at the end when it all became about money and he wasn't paying attention to his purpose and his spirituality and all that. When it just became about money and he was pushing too hard that's when things fell apart. So be careful. I, I want all of you to have immense, crazy success, uh, personal, financial, all of that. But be careful that you don't push so hard that it really affects your life or threatens to take your life away, right? So I love the story. I love the cautionary tale. And it's a good balance between let's go, go, go. Let's build, build, build. And hey, let's let's make sure that we're going to be alive to, to see it and enjoy it with our friends, family, and loved ones. So great story, great motivation, and and just a great uh, advice from someone who's who's been at the you know top of the mountain, so to speak, and crashed all the way down financially and physically, and came back from that. So I hope you guys enjoyed that and got a lot of inspiration out of it. I know I did. I, I think he's just uh, an incredibly smart guy and an incredibly inspirational. So. Uh, get out there though, guys, get going, get it started, be smart, listen to your body, push, be successful. But at the end of the day, we got to be happy to, we got to be around to enjoy it. So be careful about that, but go out and make it happen for yourself today. Take that smart action that leads to the success you want. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Okay you're still there. You're still listening. That's awesome. And I really appreciate that. Now, hopefully it wasn't an accident. Hopefully you didn't leave the room and I'm just talking to an empty room right now. But assuming you're still there, I want to do something really, really cool for you. For a limited time, I want to give you a free digital download of my book, the entire book, 
level jumping. If you're a listener to the show, you know it just came out and it really details how I took my business from being like one where I was just doing a few deals a month, maybe one or two deals a month to doing over 10 and sometimes 15 deals a month and over a hundred a year. And I went from doing very little profit to over a million dollars in profit. And I made that transformation in a 12 month period. And this book talks about what I did, the steps I took to transform my business and how you can too. So grab a free digital download and you can get that by texting the words just start as two words now just start to the number 55444 so text just start to 55444 I will send you a free digital download of my book it's the complete book there's nothing held back and that'll be completely yours just for making it to the end of the show and listening to me and I really really appreciate it guys so I want to do something nice for you I do this every once in a while at the end of shows and if you listen to the very end every once in a while I do a giveaway like this so hopefully you enjoy that go grab a free copy I hope you read it I hope you love it reach out let me know what you think all right guys talk to you next time